The following program contains archived content. Some of the information may now be out of date. Welcome everybody to my podcast, Big Little Small Talk. I'm Megan O'Hara Sullivan and I love to talk, but I also love to listen. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello listeners, welcome along to Big Little Small Talk here on 40DB and this is our segment where I get to go out and talk to someone interesting in the community and today I'm talking to a young incredible girl called Shanae Shizolka, I hope I've said that correctly (laughs) and I've been trying to track her down for a while because I met her a little while ago at a Sports Darling Downs breakfast where she was presenting an award to a young girl and I spoke to her afterwards and she was just such an interesting girl and had such an interesting story to tell but if I literally was trying to track her down I couldn't have because she's such an athlete. She, at the moment, is a rugby league player. So welcome along, Shanae, and thank you very much for having me here today. That's all right. Thank you very much for having me on. (laughs) What I want to know about is the surname Shizolka. Where does that come from? Yeah, so it's actually Polish. We had a family reunion not too long ago, and it's not as far back as I thought it was. Um, But, yeah, it's actually Polish, so um, it's pretty interesting. But obviously all the sporting things I go to and stuff like that, people obviously struggle to pronounce it but yeah they eventually get there in the end it's the c-i-e-s-i-o-l-k-a yeah shizolka so how far back is the polish connection Um, to be honest i don't exactly know but it's probably like i think pretty sure it was like my like great great granddad so it's not really like too too far but yeah we had a family reunion out at like bitterson and albini because that's where the shizolka name sort of like out there and um yeah it was just really interesting there's a lot of shizolkas that still live over there live in a little place over there that still has like no electricity or water to the town so oh this like, is no in poland yeah not, yeah yeah no, not no, in no. bittersten no 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 no. in poland still has like no electricity to the town so yeah it's pretty interesting to sort of hear that but yeah, yeah i'd like to know more about it eventually but um hopefully we have another family reunion sometime soon you'll have to get there over <laughs> yeah there. and shanae did you grow up in oki is that yeah 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 so i grew up in oki was born in toowoomba but pretty much lived in oki till i was about 16. Mm -hmm. and Um, what were mum and dad doing in oki yeah well we sort of grew up like all my family is still there like nan's there um you know all my family sort of grew up in oki and um as we've got older we've had one family like sort of move out here to westbrook and then we moved out here but i still have like two sides of the family that live in oki and all dad's side live in oki as well pretty much so yeah they were just working out there um dad used to work at the abattoirs and then he started like doing pest control and then mum was working at the bank out there at the ANZ Bank for pretty much over 20 years um, in Oki. And then she worked at the hardware for a bit and then she ended up going to the RSL. And then now she um, works at Pittsworth at more trailers. So okay. it was pretty much my brother and sister. We were all going into town. My sister was, uh, or she'd finished um, high school at Oki. She was going to uni in Brisbane. But uh, my brother was like doing an apprenticeship in town. My dad was working in town. Um, my mum was the only one in Oki. And then I was going to school at Glenny and Toowoomba. So... It sort of just made sense for us to move. Um, So, yeah, we moved when I was in year 11 or 12. Okay. Well, I want to talk about your mum and dad a little bit later on because I imagine being the parents of an elite sports person must be quite a toll for them um, in terms of what uh, they have had to do to support your career. But we're sitting, I'll just tell the listeners, we're sitting in a room which is literally (laughs) the pool room where it has got the pool table, but, you know, all of the trophies and there's um, all the life-size pictures of Shanae. So tell me, um, you are an elite athlete. Your mum and dad, are they athletic as well? 
Yeah, so mum was sort of like an all-round athlete, just like pretty, you know, pretty good at everything. And um, yeah, dad used to play football and, you know, was quite skillful and stuff like that. But he was actually a Queensland javelin thrower, which is really quite random in a, a random sport. So, um, you know, I can't throw a javelin to save myself. Right, so he competed um, for, Australia, for uh, Queensland? For Queensland, yeah. I think he even maybe got a record or something when he was about 15 or 16. Yeah, he was like a javelin thrower, but he was pretty much, yeah, same thing, like... Pretty fast, like all around, pretty good at everything as well. So, right. um, okay. yeah, so they were just like a lot of my mum's side of the family, like not really my mum herself, but her sisters were all like Queensland swimmers. Wow. Yes, yeah, so they were all swimmers. And then my auntie, my auntie, she was a Queensland swimmer and netball as well. So, sports sort of runs you know, pretty strong in the <laughs> family. Yeah. And your brothers and sisters, you said all these trophies in here aren't all yours, some of them belong to your brother and sister. What sort of sports are they good at? Yeah, so my sister, um, she did gymnastics and she completed level 10. So that's obviously the pinnacle of gymnastics. Or high it doesn't get. go to 11 or no, anything? No, no. So, so she um, completed that. So that was sort of her goal just sort of growing up is to get her level 10 badge is what she, what she did. But um, yeah, she was a very good gymnast. And then my brother, he grew up just playing all sorts of sports as well. Um, but his main sport was rugby league. And he played pretty much till maybe like five, six years ago. And then he did like his knee pretty bad. So... You know, he just never really did the rehab and just sort of, you know, couldn't afford to get injured with work and stuff like that. So, okay. um, yeah, he was really talented at rugby league as well. What a shame. So that brings me to where you are now in terms of your career. And I want to talk about your sports career, but you are a student. And what are you studying? Uh, I'm studying a Bachelor of Education okay. at USQ. At USQ. Yeah. And were you going to do primary or high school? Uh, I'm doing secondary. Yes, okay. school, and what yeah. subjects will you teach? Um, so it's been, I'm doing PE as my major. Uh, and then I was doing biology, but it was too hard for me even travelling the sport and everything. Like, they had a lot of, obviously, lab schools and stuff like that, so I wasn't able to sort of get there. So then I changed to um, special education, which is something that really interested me. And then I just got a message from the uni one day saying they no longer do that course, and because I'd only done one or two subjects out of the five um, for my minor, they said I had to change. So if I'd done one more, they said I could have stuck through the course with that, but because they said they no longer offer that anymore as it's... You know, not a sort of specific part of school anymore. It's more. It's not in the mainstream. No, it's more like it's not really special education. It's like more like an inclusive classroom. So I end up changing, and I'm doing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander studies now, which is pretty cool. Because I was looking at like probably getting a job with the Broncos, like down the track. It's like a student support, like development officer. So that it's like they have it in tour, but they go around to schools and help the you know the Indigenous kids at school and help them with their schoolwork and just have a chat to them and just be like a mentor. So Excellent. I guess with that, the only thing is sort of like the teacher thing, the Broncos. Footy, everything was there. It was just like sort of like my background knowledge because. And did you yeah. get any credits for the special ed stuff that you? Um, done? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so a lot of them are like special interest course, so they can cross over to my. Okay. So it's not like they were a complete waste. Which right. Is good. Yes, and credit points. Yeah, well, that's yeah, so um, cross over. That's a busy schedule, and you're working as well. Yeah, so I was working at Glenny at the school, um, but it's just pretty hard at the moment because we're in season with the Broncos, so. You know, I'm down in prison Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So they, it's just it's just so hard at the moment, obviously, to try and fit it in. So it's got, like, little part-time jobs here and there. I got a part-time job at Glenny, and then I got a part-time job with the NRL. Then I got a part-time job with Queensland Touch. So there's lots of things happening, but it's just so hard sometimes to fit in that with training, then with uni, and it just gets a little bit too much sometimes. And then some pesky person who wants to do a community <laughs> radio interview with you. So That's again, right. I say thank you. So now, we've touched on it a couple of times, but you are an, a, a rugby league player, and you're currently playing for the Broncos. So tell me about 
playing for the Broncos. I want to hear all about State of Origin. I want to hear all about the Grand Final. And I want to hear about Rugby Sevens. So you told me the day that I met that you that you were playing Rugby Sevens in Japan and you had to come home for COVID. Is that kind of where it started? Or yeah, so pretty much like when I was in school in year 12, like Rugby Sevens was pretty new. And coming from touch football, the skills are quite transferable, obviously not the tackling side, but you know, the skills are really transferable, the passing and all sorts of stuff like that. So a couple of the girls played sevens and they just said, come and try. Anyway, so I went along to like the first ever tournament and, you know, played sevens there. And I was just lucky enough to, well, not lucky enough, obviously it was hard work as well, but um, straight from there I made Queens and then made Australia. Um, and then went over to China for the Youth Olympics. China, right. Um, no, no, but I did go to China. Yeah, okay. went over to Japan, uh, China for the Youth Olympics. And then it was the following year then was like the Youth Commonwealth Games in Samoa which was pretty cool so we were lucky enough to win two gold medals at both of those which was like pretty awesome um and so then this it, is representing Australia in the rugby sevens yeah and you won yeah. a gold medal two gold medals yeah one was at the youth olympics and one was at the youth commonwealth games so that was probably you know obviously under 18 that was like obviously like two biggest highlights which was pretty awesome but you had already won a gold medal in touch football hadn't you yeah well touch yeah touch football I played for Australia we ended up beating like New Zealand in a like a whitewash it's called so you play like a series of three so we won all three against New Zealand for touch so yeah it's pretty pretty exciting but it was pretty cool to go to China for like the youth olympics because it was you know mirroring the actual olympics so they made us a olympic village over there and we stayed in like a um, youth olympic village over there for two weeks and got to be part of the whole experience so that was pretty exciting and is it a similar sort of thing where you have the walk-in and like the cauldron being lit up and all of that yeah like literally everything like it's the whole like village lights up it has like youth olympics everywhere it's like the dining room like it's got all little stores inside the village it's pretty what, cool what was that like kind of walking out or standing on the podium and hearing the australian anthem yeah it obviously means so much um obviously you know to go over there and represent your country and to hear the national anthem being played and um, you know, obviously the Australian flag being raised is something that, you know, you can't even describe how it feels. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's very touching and it just appreciates you, obviously, just being Australian. So, yeah, and then I got obviously contracted with the Australian Sevens once I left school and moved down to Sydney for two years for that. So I was down with the Australian Sevens. I was part of the Rio squad to go to the Olympics. You know, obviously being realistic about it, I was never going to make the squad. I was 17, 18, I just moved there and, you know, it was like a development player. So, um, but it was awesome just to be part of that squad and help the, obviously, the girls that went to the Olympics and train alongside them and help them get there. So, you know, it was obviously a team thing. So that was really awesome. And then I was there for two years and then I... Can I just interrupt you there yeah, for a second? Yeah. So when you're, like, you're obviously in the running to maybe get chosen for that team, yeah, for that yeah. Olympic team. And how many people get chosen and how many people are there as possibilities? Yeah, so we had a squad of about 24 um, and then it was, like, 12 that went and then 13. So, like, they take sort of one extra or two extras. So, um, yeah. Was that a time in your life where you hadn't actually made the team like yeah, everything I get, else I get what sort you're of saying there. yeah um yes no like obviously you know I didn't make it but as I said to you before like I was being realistic about it you're 17 years old you've only played the sport mm. for a couple of years there's girls that have been in that program for you know three or four or five years like mm. you know I was being realistic about it that you know potentially Tokyo 22 or something like that but it obviously is tough but obviously yeah just you know, I was being realistic about mm-hmm. it and sort of knew where I stood with everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so then I played that and then I come home and I actually had a really, really bad knee injury. Did my ACL, MCL, LCL, meniscus, pretty much every single thing in my knee. So that put me out of rugby for about a year. It was like 13 months. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what did you do in that time? 
Um, what did I do in that time? Um, it was really tough. Obviously, you know, being an elite athlete, that's what you do every day. You train and mm. to not even be able to, you know, walk. You know, I used to, obviously, some days were harder than others. You'd see, you know, somebody walk outside with their dog and you just think, oh, I'd love to be able to do that. And I can't even do it's that. It's just, yeah, yeah, just going from being so used to training and doing that every day of your life to not even being able to get up and walk. So... That was really, really challenging quite, mentally. Yeah, well, I was going to say, were you quite depressed? Oh, because most definitely, that, yeah. It was really hard. And obviously, yeah. you know, I've had injuries in the past, but, you know, as soon as I sort of knew I did my knee, that's a whole year out of sport. And I actually found it quite difficult to go and support the girls and watch because, you know, I, I know that might sound a little bit selfish, but to be in that environment and just being around and mm-hmm. seeing them, it, it was really quite hard. So, you know, I probably should have focused on my uni a bit more in that time, but obviously I just sort of try to focus on my recovery and... Just took some downtime just to... Right, and you're doing rehabilitation during that, are you? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I was in a brace for, I think it was about eight weeks, which is like a little bit longer than normal people, or not normal people, people Mm. that just do their knee, but I did mine quite, like, really bad, so um, I was in it a little bit longer. Um, Then I got out of that, but I didn't have my first run until, I think it was about my first jog in a straight line for about six months, Um, so that was even a bit behind. Mm. And at that stage, did you ever think that you wouldn't make a full recovery? Um, definitely not, no. I was obviously like, you know, I, I knew I was young and I was fit and, um, you know, there's obviously plenty of people and elite yeah. athletes that have made a comeback before. So yeah. um, still to this day, like, I don't think my body's ever been the same and obviously things have changed. Like, my whole left side sort of compensates now for my right knee and, mm. Um, mm. you know, you've pretty much got to teach yourself how to run again and get your muscles firing again and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I don't think it'll ever be the same. As my surgeon said, it's not the knee that, um, that God gives you. So, um, you know, it's obviously had my hamstring taken and replaced, um, you know, into my knee where my ACL was. So um, it's, you know, just the body get, like adapting and getting used to that again. But it, it's fine now. It feels good. It's probably the strongest it's ever been. So, um, you know, you just got to trust the process, obviously, and do the rehab and just listen to the people that know what they're talking about. Yes, well, that's right. Trust the experts and hope that your private health cover is all in order, I would imagine. (laughs) I'll just remind the listeners that they're on 40DB with me, Megan O'Hara-Sullivan, and we're talking on our big little small talk segment to Sinead Shizolka, who is an elite athlete and she plays rugby league for the Brisbane Boncros. And we're just up to the stage where she's coming back from an injury and hearing about her incredible journey and where she's been in her career. So you come back from the injury. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I come back from the knee injury and was back playing, you know, pretty good footy. And my goal was to get back in the Australian squad. And I was currently then a part of the development squad. So they'd sort of fly me down to Sydney and I'd train and stuff like that. So I was back sort of, you know, in the running to get back in there. And obviously COVID happened and pretty much everything just got cancelled. Everything got put to a stop. Obviously no overseas travel, um, nothing like that. So everything sort of come to a stop. And I found myself sort of sitting at home for probably like six months, not having any sport or because um, it had all been cancelled. So I ended up getting a phone call one day just from the Brisbane Broncos coach. Um, I was literally at home sitting on my bed and um, he just said, oh, I'm, you know, Kelvin Wright, Brisbane Broncos coach. Um, you know, obviously, you know, a couple of the girls in the Broncos. Um, I've been talking to them and, you know, they think you'd like fit in perfectly. Would you like to come and try and play rugby league? And I straight away just went, this is an awesome opportunity. Like I've been watching the girls on TV and I always said to mum and dad, like one day I want to try rugby league, maybe when my sevens career is over or, but then, you know, mm. don't want to leave it too late, but I'd love to just sort of have a crack mm. at that. And um, I sort of was talking to him and um, I just, you know, said I'd have a think about it and get back <laughs> to him. And, but what did that, what did that, you know, what was that about? And he goes, you know, you're going to have to go into the bubble, which potentially means you can't work, you can't do anything for 
I think it was about maybe like 12 weeks maybe nine weeks or 12 weeks or something like that so he goes you'd have to you know give up your job and give up everything and you're happy to stay in Toowoomba you just have to travel to and from but obviously you can stop to get fuel but that's literally it and you got to stay at home and I thought oh okay like mm. I have to speak to my work and stuff like that and uni was fine because I do it online anyway so I thought oh you know I'll have a think about it and you know and I said to him I haven't played rugby league since I was 12 years old when I used to play with the boys so you know I was almost thinking in my head like what if I'm not very good at it like stuff like you know I don't want to be like yeah you know, anyway so he'd obviously seen some video footage and stuff like that and obviously he'd rang me for a reason he wouldn't if he wasn't, you know what I mean, happy mm. with what he's seen. So I had to think about it and sort of chat to mum and dad and then spoke to, like, work at Glennie and I just said, look, like, here's an opportunity. I can't knock back. It might not come around again. And nothing's happening with sevens. So, you know, I sort of had the intentions of going back to rugby sevens and, you know, trying to balance the both of them. But um, obviously being in the rugby league environment and um, being around the girls and stuff like that, I just loved it. So, yeah, went into the Brisbane Broncos and... Played my first ever game, actually. I was on the bench um, for the first round. I'd only been training a couple of weeks, and I was on the bench for the first round just to, you know, see what was happening and get a feel of it. And then the next game, actually, one of the girls in our team actually got injured, and the girl that was on the wing moved straight into the um, hooker, which was where the other girl got injured. So I slotted straight onto the wing. So um, it was sort of like just get thrown on the deep end, there you go. But I think that was the best thing that ever happened because it soon made you realise and soon made you just learn, you know, once you get thrown straight in there it's like bang this is it so yeah played my first ever game and debut which was like really exciting and then you know the Broncos obviously been really successful winning two premierships and um yeah we ended up winning a third premiership so So that they had already won two premierships yeah and then you were playing in the grand final is that is this yeah so they won two premierships um like the previous years uh and this was like the third year so they were going for the three Mm peat they call it so you came in sort of mid-season did you um no it was the first round so the season's so short like literally last year we or in 2020 we only had I think it was like four round games and then semis and finals so it was only really short rounds I only missed the first game and then played the other three and then played the semi final. So I was still there from the start, but I just missed some of the preseason at training. Okay. Um, so yeah. So the Broncos win that premiership, the grand final. Yeah, yeah. That- so we played the Sydney Roosters actually down in Sydney and I remember it was pouring rain that day. It was freezing, pouring rain. It was before the men's grand final and you know, it was obviously a tough game, tough conditions and yeah, we ended up getting the win. So Brisbane Broncos, obviously some of the girls had been there from the start. They'd won three premierships and I ended up winning my first ever premiership for the Brisbane Broncos. So mm. I think the most exciting thing was we got a premiership ring, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so uh, that I was... notice you're not wearing it now. No, I don't is it similar it to the men's one? It's similar to the men's just um yeah, I lost a lot less diamonds, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So does, can I ask, when for you to come in, does that mean that someone else went out or...? Um, not necessarily because we have a squad of 24 and, you know, there's obviously girls that are on development contracts there and then some that aren't. And as I said, it just was, you know, it wasn't obviously great for our team but it worked out sort of good for me that the one girl sort of, you know, got injured, slotted in and then it sort of just worked out okay. like sort of in my favour but... I didn't knock anyone else out of their spot, no. Okay. And do you always play as the winger or did you then have a bit of a, um, they shift you around a little bit? Yeah, so that whole year I played on the wing. Um, obviously being new to the game, I was also probably more comfortable there. But, you know, since playing then I've sort of played a bit of fullback, a bit of centre um, and stuff like that. So I've been training at the moment in centre, so um, we'll see how that goes. 
you're saying that to me like I know what that means, but I'm just nodding and saying, <laughs> yes, okay. Well, I would imagine, well, what I wanted to know was the, the difference in skill set between playing the sevens and the, the league, what sort of thing? So, yeah, obviously in sevens you've only got literally seven people on the field and it's a full, like, size football field. So there's obviously a lot more space. So you can use your footwork, you can use your speed. Um, there's a lot more space around, whereas obviously in a game of rugby league, you've got 13 on the field, it's a lot, you know... It's a lot harder to sort of get through the gap and you're more or less running into a brick wall of players. Mm. So I guess their plays are just a little bit different in terms of sort of block plays and as in running sort of decoys and stuff like that. But as I said, like, it's football. The skills are so transform, uh, transform, uh, transferable, sorry. So, you know, touch sevens, rugby league, they're all, you know, you're passing your footy, you're stepping. Similar, it's right. similar, And yeah. do you have to... Um, I heard an interview the other day with a guy who was like a cage fighter or something like that and he just said you don't even worry about being hurt like you know that you're gonna hurt so your pain threshold sort of you just don't even worry about it is that how you feel yeah it's like you know I think it's like anything if you 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 go out there thinking you're gonna get hurt you most likely will so even at training we just get told to go 100% because of you know, you sort of go 50%, it's, yeah, it's likely that you're going to get injured. So I definitely don't buy that thinking, oh, my God, it's going to get injured. And obviously, you know, sometimes you look at the other team and you think, oh, yeah, like they're pretty big girls and, you know, they're going to be tough to play. But mm. I guess also you've got adrenaline as well. So you just go out there, you, know, you might get a few knocks and bruises and that obviously hurts. But, you know, it's more or less after the game you think, oh, this is really sore now because obviously you've sort of cooled down. But yeah. when you're out there, it's just adrenaline. You sort of just push through the pain, right. to be honest. And do you wear a helmet? No, so I don't wear a headgear, no. Headgear, um, that's not... all right. <laughs> a helmet, yep. No, I don't wear a headgear. Um, some people do. Um, some girls do. Um, you know, I wear a mouth guard, obviously. But yes. I'm also a little bit slack on my mouth guard. I shouldn't tell my mum that. But... Don't say that. Your mother who paid for those beautifully straight teeth, I'm sure. So we win this premiership. Now tell me about State of Origin. State of Origin, yeah. So I was very surprised. So... We actually won the premiership and because we were in the bubble, we ended up having, you know, obviously a few drinks after the premiership that night at the club. We couldn't go out, obviously, anyway, so it was just our... Can I just interrupt quickly? Yeah, yeah. What's the drink of choice for an elite uh, athlete? Beer. Beer. Okay. <laughs> well, not for some of the girls, but I love beer. I'm from Toowoomba and Oki. What do you expect? <laughs> well, that's another but thing But I think got the girls just had some, yeah, some lo- like lolly water and that, but I was, yeah, a beer girl. So okay, keep going. Yeah, so you're in, the, of, you're in the, you're we're in the, you're having a few girls. So, yeah, yeah we had come back to the clubhouse and had a few drinks and stuff like that. And then um, we had like Mad Monday. So we got some like dress up and we're at the club just having a few drinks and stuff like that. And this is actually the day that I just got a phone call from this, literally a random number. And I was like, oh. Okay. that's weird anyway I listened to the voicemail I was just like hi it's Karen Murphy here from um, you know just part of the Queensland Women's State of Origin team can you just give me a call back so a lot of the girls during the day were getting phone calls here and there so um, you know she just said just when I when she answered she said do you mind just going away from the girls and just going somewhere quiet so I just went for a walk out the front and I was on the phone to her and um, she literally just said to me she's like oh congratulations like how do you feel about coming to the state of origin like being a part of the state of origin squad and coming to camp and I just I was a little bit like mind blown I just sort of didn't really say anything at the time I was just like blunt and I was like what <laughs> I was like are you saying I'm in like the squad like for Queensland the state of origin she's like yeah and I was almost just like crap like really and like you know everyone had a few drinks around but I was just like Really? I was like, I've played my first ever rugby league women's game. I've played four games of rugby league my whole life, like, for the women. And, you know, I've won a premiership. But now I'm 
being selected for the yeah. state of origin squad I was like what even when you said it like a chill went through yeah me. I, I was imagine. just like really and I felt kind of bad then because she's like oh like are you not even excited and I was like oh of course I'm excited I just took a like I was a bit shocked and I was like that's awesome she's like what are you oh she said to me what are you doing the next two weeks or and I was like nothing really just a bit of work here and there in the bubble yeah when were she you just, allowed out of the bubble yeah so we're allowed out of the bubble pretty much after um I can't even really remember but Pretty much after we'd gone back, um, after we've had a few drinks and that, and then on the Monday, I think we had to wait maybe like another couple of days to go and get a test again to be negative and then we could go out. So um, I think it was pretty much we had to get tested before and after we went to Sydney. And because we'd been in Sydney for the grand final, we had to wait and come back and then get tested again. So I think it was actually that month, no, it was the Monday that we were actually there at Mad Monday. It was um, the people come in and tested us, and then when we got our negative result, we were fine to go. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did um, training for the state of origin involve? Yeah, so we, um, it involved going into camp for two weeks. So it was up at the um, Sunshine Coast. So we went into camp for two weeks. Um, so we stayed up there at um, Twin Waters um, at the resort up there. So we were literally there for two weeks, again, in the bubble. Couldn't leave the resort. Um, couldn't see anyone. So so you're playing with girls who had formerly you'd been playing against, I would imagine. Yeah, In for the sure. premierships. So yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So yeah. How, was, how was the relationships there? Yeah, it's obviously like a lot of the girls from Queensland in the past, like the other players had known each other and stuff like that. For me being someone new, it was just, you know, I'd, I'd known a lot of the girls anyway because we'd only really had a couple of, like Broncos was the only sort of Queensland team then. Oh, um, I see. So we'd only really had couple of the Broncos players and some other girls from a couple like played for another couple of clubs but we'd sort of known them as well anyway mm. so you know everyone got along really well and um, yeah so we were in camp for two weeks and then it led to the big game on a um, Friday night which played New South Wales and it was obviously you know a really good game and obviously it was great to have obviously just a crowd there just for the women's because um, it has a separate to the men's the game so um, you know we only got one game at the moment the men obviously have a series of three um, so that's Hopefully we're pushing to get eventually to have a series of three as well. But, um, yeah, we just had the one game and, yeah, ended up beating New South Wales, which is always a, a great feeling. Score, please. <laughs> uh, I don't even remember the score the first year. <laughs> I remember the score, like, the, the year just gone. But the first the first year, I think we beat them a bit more comfortably the first year. Um, I think they ended up coming back and scoring a couple of quick tries in the end. But I actually can't even – that's really bad, isn't right. it? Well, I, I wanted take to the school, yeah. Well, it was two years ago. Yeah, <laughs> so I suppose it was just an incredible run, wasn't yeah, it? Like yeah. everything had happened so quickly and so fast for you that all of these incredible highlights. So tell me about um about sort of the equal pay for the women and sort of where the status of women's rugby league is and you know where you want to go and what what you need to do to get there. Yeah, most definitely. So we got um told by the QRL, so the Queensland Rugby League that. Yeah, the women are going to get equal pay to the men. So, um, you know, it's obviously the game's still growing and obviously, you know, we're getting a lot more viewers and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's obviously come a long way in the, uh, the last couple of years. Like, we've had girls in the squad that have played there for the last 10 years and, you know, they used to have to pay their own way for everything back then. So um, it's obviously come a long way since then and it's still got a long way to go, but it's good to obviously finally get some recognition and acknowledgement of the women's game. So... What, what, why has it changed? What what changed? What what was the sort of leap, do you think? Yeah, well, I, I don't honestly know. Like, it's obviously, you know, accumulation of things. Like, it's obviously, you know, there's more people watching now. There's more TV rights and, you know, they're getting, you know, Channel 9 or they're getting Fox on board and, um, you know, they're obviously getting more crowds. And that's why they wanted sort of like a standalone crowd to, um, in a game to say that, you know, everybody's here or everybody's watching on TV mm. just to watch the women. They're not watching the men. 
they're just watching the women. So you said that you you played on the Friday night, and is the um, sorry to say, but is the um, is the men's game is that on the Saturday night or the Sunday? No, night? so ours is completely different, even time. So oh. we were not even yeah, we weren't even like. Sort of like the dates weren't even the same this year or last year or whatever as well. So okay. They were but around similar si- times. Similar season. Yeah, similar yeah, season, yeah, similar yeah. times, but completely separate. But, um, yeah, I guess obviously more sponsorships coming on board and, um, you know, as I said, the game's getting more recognised worldwide as well. Um, obviously, yeah, this year, like, it's the World Cup coming up and um, it's getting oh, recognised. Tell me about the World Cup. Where's the World Cup? Um, so the World Cup is in England um, this year. It was meant to obviously happen last year, but it got cancelled due to COVID as well, so... Um, the World Cup's over in England um, yeah, at the end of this year, I think around maybe like maybe like November. Um, they haven't really set an exact date, I don't okay. think, just yet. But so when will the team be chosen for that? Yeah, so this year looks a little bit like different because it's, we've had the two NRLW seasons. So last year, obviously with COVID, our season got cancelled. So we were playing club footy all last year. And then that was meant to go into Origin, which still happened. And then that was meant to go into NRLW at the end of the season. So... We had an origin again last year, and that was a lot tougher game than the other one. Um, we were lucky enough to beat New South Wales 8-6. I remember the score on <laughs> that. Um, we got a you know a conversion penalties, um, penalty goal to get the two points to end up beating them. But, yeah, that was like a really tough game. So that sort of went into that, and then NRL was meant to start, and then it sort of was saying it was going to happen. Then it got postponed, then it was going to happen, and then it got postponed. So it was a bit hard for us as athletes because we were sort of training as a preseason, doing our own training for about seven weeks and then it's cancelled or postponed. So then you'd sort of taper off and then, oh no, it's going to happen again. So then you do a seven week block again. Oh no, now it's cancelled. Mm. So it was sort of really hard. We were all sort of all over the shop, but um, they end up making a decision in the end that it was too hard to, you know, fly the Sydney teams up here and put everyone up here in accommodation and obviously with border closures and stuff like that. So... It got cancelled, so we're finally here now at the start of, you know, 2022, and we've had the season from 2021 is now the season being played at the moment. So it's all over the shop, yeah. <laughs> so this year, for what it looks like potentially for us is we have the 2021 NRL season played at the start of the year, and then we go into club footy, which overlaps a little bit, so we won't play a lot of club footy this year. Then that goes into Origin. Then that goes into the NRLW for 2022, and then that goes into World Cup. Wow. So you've got a lot of footy to play this yeah, year. Yeah, for sure. So, you, you know, it's the most football ever in the year that the women will be playing. But that also makes it difficult too because, you know, as an athlete, you can't peak all year round. So, you know, you obviously if you're trying to peak all year round, you're going to burn out and, you know, mm-hmm. potential injuries. So it sort of makes it hard to sort of peak and sort of go up and down. So, you know, there's obviously people to help us with stuff like that. But it'll be a very, very big year of footy. Just remind the listeners that they're on 102.7 FM community radio and we're in our big little small talk segment where I'm talking to someone interesting. We've got someone very interesting today. She, like me, is an elite athlete. <laughs> uh, Sinead Shizolka from the Broncos Rugby League team and she's telling me all about her year of training. So tell me about training. Like, what does, it, what does every day look like for you? Yeah, so we start pretty much about 3 o'clock. So you train Monday, yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, except Saturday's in the morning. But Monday, the three days, uh, we start at 3 o'clock. So we arrive at 3 o'clock. We drive in our car to training. We get there. We drive right up, and our coaches come out with a COVID test. So we sit in our car. We get the COVID test. We put it up our nose, mix it in the thing, and then we give it back to the coaches, and then they go and put it in the, obviously, the little machine thing. And we go sit in our car for 15 minutes 
And then they end up messaging us or giving us a call, come out to our car and say, yes, you're negative, yes, you're positive. If you're negative, obviously you're sweet. Off you go, you walk inside. Um, if you're positive, you get in your car, you go drive home, and then you go isolate for your seven days. Uh, we've only had that happen to one girl at the moment. Um, so touch wood, we're all pretty mm-hmm. healthy at the moment. So um, yeah, if you're negative, you go in, you walk in, and pretty much we do like a prehab, which means you, um, you go and you stretch and you roll and... You do some screening, so you do a couple of tests to see, like test your muscles to see what's tight, what you need to work on, or what you need to do. And then you can put like a physical, we have like a, uh, it's called Smarter Base. We have like a, it's like your physical status. You can enter like, um, you know, how many hours you slept, how your body's feeling, what muscles are sore, um, are you fatigued, um, you know, which is obviously tells the physio and the coaches how we're feeling on the day. So um, we do all that sort of screening and stuff like that, or we might go see the physio and get strapped. Uh, and then it's sort of we go into some more prehab stuff so we just do some exercises to get our muscles moving and stuff like that and then we go into gym for about an hour so we do gym for an hour then we have maybe like a 10 minute break where we can have you know some protein or something to eat and then we put our boots on um, and we're out in the field for about an hour and a half two hours Um, and then we come inside we do a stretch we do a roll um, and then we go do an ice bath we just do five minutes straight and then we pretty much have showers and then off we go, we're on our way. So pretty much we get there at about yeah, 3 o'clock and we're finished by about 8, 8.30. So it's lots Five happening hours. in that time. Yeah. So it's three, well, three afternoons and one morning. Yeah, the Saturday morning okay. we started about 7 and we're done by about half past 11. We normally have like a barbecue off training on a Saturday, which is okay. good. And on those off days, are you going to the gym or doing any exercise in those off days? Um, so on the off days, I might have like a physio appointment or a massage or something like that. But um, obviously at the moment, I've had a lot of uni assignments and stuff to use. So it's not the best or ideal for the body, obviously going and running at training and say running 7K and then going and sit, sitting down and doing uni. And obviously, you know, parts of your body get so stiff because you're just sitting in a chair all day trying mm. to do uni. So... Um, yeah, on the off days we try and just relax and recover and, mm. you know, if we find a pool somewhere on the beach, it's obviously I really wonder helpful. whether they um, wanted you not to do something or they wanted you to do something. Is there all of that, like, level of detail into your life, sort of, um, in terms of... Sort of our days off or our days off, and a lot of people obviously still have full-time jobs and or some of them are even mums, so, you know, they're always busy, but, um, yeah, days off are pretty much up to whatever right. we want to do and to in terms recover. of um sort of um the support and the you know because we all hear about these bad rugby league guys you know <laughs> going off the rails spectacularly is there that support around you Sinead? like in terms of like psychology appointments or sort of you know grooming or you know lessons in sort of how to handle fame and all of that sort of thing yeah so we have obviously um like welfare um like people on board with us at the broncos and every club has like a welfare manager that we can always um go and speak to whether it's about anything could be about uni could be about you know home life could be literally about anything um so you know we've always got people to talk to um at the club there and we do have um you know a couple of education people come in and talk to us about stuff like that um what it's like to be in a professional environment um we do some media courses so it's obviously you know how to deal with the media and you know if you get journals message you or stuff like that how to respond to them what not to say and um stuff like that so i think that's really important um you know i've obviously been around for a while and had that in obviously the sevens program as well but i think it's really important for a lot of the young girls that are coming through that have never had that sort of training so um you know and you know obviously for myself too to you know i might hear something one time and then hear something another time so it's always you're always learning so it's always good to 
you know, obviously listen and take all that feedback on board. But And are most of the girls, you said some of them are mums, um, are yeah, most yeah. of them local people or do they recruit from sort of the regions and stuff? Or you're from the regions? But like say you talked earlier about um, sort of Indigenous kids, are there any Indigenous girls playing? Yeah, so we, um, so we obviously, a lot of our girls are mainly based in Brisbane. Um, we've got some, a fair few are from the Gold Coast, for like five or six from the Gold Coast and then um, myself and my cousin are from like Toowoomba but the rest is all in the Brisbane sort of area. Um, we've got a girl from New Zealand that comes over um, which obviously has been quite hard with obviously the border closures and stuff but she's finally over which is good. Uh, and then we actually have a girl this year, I played sevens with her as well so I've known her for a couple of years. Um, she's actually from Thursday Island um, so yeah she's actually living with us in Brisbane at the moment. Um, and you play with your cousin as well. Yeah I play with my cousin yeah so this is um, pretty exciting. She same as me, she was sort of playing sevens and then, you know, nothing was really happening with COVID and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, she started playing rugby league as well for club and um, she obviously, you know, a good little player and ended up getting a call up from the Broncos coach as like a development sort of player. And um, no, but she's been going really, really well at training. So, you know, it'd be awesome to obviously, you know, if she debuts to do it alongside her cousin, that'd be a pretty good story to tell. Is she a Shizalka as no, well? No, she's not. Because her, her mum and my mum are obviously okay. sisters. So yeah. she's obviously been remarried and got a different name. So okay. That yeah. would be pretty cool. For that. <laughs> Two Shizalkas. Yeah. Um, now, tell me about the... Um, about the Valley Diehards. That's Wally Lewis's old club, my husband tells me. Mm-hmm. Correct? So are they... You're playing for them, or you're not playing for them? They're in opposition, or...? Yeah, so it's a t- bit of a touchy subject, this oh. one. So, the Valley is obviously... Diehards have been a club well-established for, you know, years and years. And as said, Wally Lewis has played for the club, and they've never had a women's team. So, in the QRL, it's like the best comp in Queensland um, for the women's. Um, the club went to them last year or the year before and said, look, we want to get a women's comp in the game. Scott Prince is going to be the coach. We've got these people on board. We're going to get Ali Brigginshaw to come across. You know, we've just got to get the numbers. Would you support us? Anyway, the QRL said, yes, we'll put you in the competition for the first time. Anyway, we've got a lot of girls um, to the club. We would have about 30, which was, like, pretty solid for, you know, club footy training to training each time. So um, we're training for that and end up being the first year we are ever in the competition. Um, you know, they've been... Burley and a couple of other teams that have been there for, you know, a fair few years. And we were the first ever club in there. Anyway, we ended up being minor premiers. So we went the whole season undefeated. Minor premiers. Hadn't lost a game all season. And we lost the grand final to Burley. And I don't know, we were winning until about the last maybe four or five minutes. And they scored and they ended up beating us. So it was obviously tough. But, um, you know, we just thought, wow, this is the first time the club's ever been together, um, first time they've ever had a women's competition and we've been minor premiers and runners up in the grand final. Like what a successful what a successful club, what a successful team. So we thought how good is this? We're gonna be building on this for the next say, you know, five years or something like that. So looking forward to it. Anyway, the QRL end up coming to us and saying that um, Valleys or Wests are no longer gonna be in the comp next year because we're gonna align um, the QRL sort of women's competition to like the Intrust Super Cup for the men and Valleys aren't in that and neither are Wes. So they brought Wynnum into the comp and then um, South Logan back in. So pretty much the QRL thought that we would just sort of leave Valleys and all of us girls would just go to Wynnum or South as a new club but we obviously had a lot of respect for Valleys as a club and um, you know we're going to obviously put up a bit of a fight and we're wondering why and we end up finding out that obviously Valleys was a team we've we, you know we're obviously trying to be positive but 
first year the team was ever in the club, uh, in the comp, it was so successful. West were, you know, well-established club. They'd been in there for years. So we sort of knew we were going to be the ones to go. So the QRL sort of said, yep, he's a white from the, the competition. That's sort of it. So it was, you know, a one-year thing. And we just, you know, it's so disappointing for the club because it's like, well, they've just invested so much into these women and mm. obviously been so successful. And to turn around and say, you're no longer in the competition after mm. being so successful was so is that a different, a different competition to what you're in now with the Broncos? Yeah, that? so that's the competition below. So that's that's the Queensland competition, so club. Okay. So that's the club and then Broncos is the NRLW. So the club is below Broncos, but you've got to play club to be able to make Broncos and to make Origin. Oh, with you, right. Yeah. I didn't understand that. Yeah, so it's yeah. like the same as, same as the men. Like, oh, the men is obviously like a little bit different. But a lot of the NRL players that don't mm. make the NRL will go back and play Intrust Super Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's... But our club is pretty much, yeah, like it's the Queensland women's competition. But NRL is obviously Australia-wide. Like obviously playing New South Wales teams, whereas the Queensland comp is just all Queensland-based okay. teams. And I think um, you and I ran into each other at a Toowoomba Clydesdales launch yeah, not yeah. so long ago. Do you think there'll ever be a women's team here? I mean, I think if we can't get a men's team here in the Toowoomba region, it might be struggling to get a women's team. Yeah, it's obviously, like, really hard. And obviously, like, the, you know, the higher calibre of players are obviously leaving Toowoomba because, you know, the competition's sort of just not there or the quality mm-hmm. of the competition. So, you know, I know a lot of talented, you know, men and female that are obviously leaving Toowoomba to go to Brisbane to play in a better competition. I think that's obviously the hardest thing about, you know, being a community like Toowoomba and it's like, you know, you get that everywhere. A lot of the the good players got to move to Brisbane or to, you know, suburbs Mm -hmm. that have got the facilities and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So, um, you know, it'd be awesome to obviously get a women's team up and running in the next couple of years, Um, you know, and obviously hopeful for that. So anything that we can obviously do or, you know, as players to sort of help and push that would be awesome. But um, it'd be great to see, yeah. Yeah, um, because they do talk about Toowoomba being sort of the gateway to the West and um, a lot of really fantastic rugby league players come out of sort of the West. And um, so, yeah, we're losing them. It's a bit like the brain drain, I suppose. But um, it's all about the money, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's even yeah. like obviously when I was like going back to sevens. Like I was in, obviously, when I was in East Train sevens, I think... Out of, say, 24 of us, there was about seven of us from the Toowoomba region. Really? Yeah. like which is statistic. Incredible, yeah. yeah. So it was, like, really awesome just to see that, you know, people from Toowoomba, it doesn't matter where you live, you can achieve, yeah. you know, great things. Yeah. Obviously, you've got to move, but, yeah. yeah. Either that or there's a lot of mongrel in us or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's <laughs> must be it, yeah. Something, something in the water that we're but drinking. I, I do love to, that's right. I do love to quote that, uh, I read somewhere that, um, there's an overrepresentation of CEOs on ASX listed companies that are from the country, and they say it's because country kids have um, a, an incredible sort of ingenuity and um, and st- stability and um, resilience. So maybe it's the same thing with rugby league players. Could be possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. is brought up brought up tough. That's right. Tougher breed from the city kids. We like our beer. We like our <laughs> rugby. But um, one thing my husband does say about. Um, you know, we talked about the ring earlier and um, trying to get the, the status of the particular all women's sport, but um, we're talking rugby, rugby league now, of course. He says, until people like me, pointing at me, until we, more women watch sport, yeah. it's never going to, you're never going to be sort of at an equal level because there's not enough people sort of um, championing him for it. Do you think that's true? And how do you get women to watch it, sport? Possibly, like it could, but I, I even know like a lot of men, they make comments on social media and stuff like that, like about our state of origin game saying this is better than the men. 
But right. no, I'm just like, like the women's is a great game to watch. It's better than the men. Like we enjoy it more, you know, but you're always going to get people that don't. People that say, you know, you get the rude comments. Women don't belong on the football field. They belong in the kitchen. Like you're always going to get, you know, but that's just life. That's just, you're always going to get people like that. So, um, you know, and everyone's going to have their own opinion on it. So, yeah. um, you know, I think I just, yeah, the, the more people know about it, I guess the better, but it's also obviously you know, everyone knows about the men's rugby league and stuff like that. So, you know, the women's rugby league as it's still so new, but whether it's social media or it's sharing things or, you know, and people say to me sometimes, oh, I've heard about it, but I don't know where to watch it. And it's like, well, it is no different. It's on Channel 9 or it's on Fox like the men, but it just doesn't get advertised as much or they just don't hear about it. So, um, you make a really you know, good th- point there. I think it's definitely a lot, a lot of yeah. things that um, contribute to as to why, but... You know, I guess obviously, yeah, if you get more, more women on board, but more people in general, it's, mm. it's going to grow the um, game. you just talked about social media there. Do you get trolled a lot? Because, um, I mean, you're the most beautiful-looking, oh, fine, yeah. blonde hair, <laughs> blue eyes, you, very fine-looking girl. You get some very interesting messages, and that's for sure. Just, yeah. like, like you just delete them, but you get some very... Nothing too know, kooky. Oh, you just get some really weird ones, but it's... You just... You just look at them and just be like, what the? And you just delete them. But all the girls get them. It's just, it's just yeah, you just ignore them and just delete them. And, yeah. But I don't know, you get, I don't know, you'd probably get two a week, I'd say. Yeah. Just random. Yeah. And they could Not be fake accounts too. You just don't know. But it's just. I think yeah, it's all you, part of life. Before I let you go, I wanted to, I uh, said earlier about your mum and dad, like, what sort of things will you know you hear when you go to those sports darling downs breakfast i hear about people training in brisbane five times a week and mum and dad driving they're always mum and dad are always there at the awards and is that your parents life just driving your kids around (laughs) yeah most definitely so it was always really hard when i had like myself my brother and my sister were all playing sport at the same time so that's why also nen come in she used to have to take one of us to one sport, mum would take the other one to the other sport and then dad would take the other one to the other sport. So, you know, Nan used to help out a lot as well and, um, you know, she obviously still loves to come and watch and, you know, whenever she can come watch, she'll come watch. But, um, yeah, like, obviously mum and dad, like, have obviously even just the financial... You know, my mum my tells me if I was never born, she'd be rich. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but she's like, I should, you know, the money you fork out and kids' sport these days is not cheap. So, you know, even growing up in school, I was doing... AFL, I was doing soccer, I was doing cricket, I was doing touch, I was pretty much whatever you can think of I was doing and, you know, I was really fortunate that, you know, whenever I made a team, my parents would always, you know, obviously fund the money and say, yeah, you can go, or I'd get all the gear and, you know, I know obviously a lot of kids these days are, you know, not as fortunate as me and their parents don't have the money to, you know, support them to do that. So, you know, I'm obviously very grateful for mum and dad and, um, you know, how they've supported me over the years, but... Also, obviously, you know, we're living in Oki and I was doing gymnastics at the time in Toowoomba. So, you know, we'd go to school and then, you know, mum would pick us up, my sister and I from school and it'd be about 3.30 in the afternoon and she'd drive us into gymnastics in Toowoomba. She might go do some shopping or she'd literally just sit around from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock at night and then she'd drive us home and we'd be getting home at, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock at night and then having to have dinner and try and do our homework and then go to bed and we'd do that all again three or four times a week so it wasn't even that you'd be as I said you'd be in Brisbane every weekend or you'd be you know when I was with the Reds um and with rugby mum would have to drive you know three or four times a week to Brisbane and I guess I was just lucky enough there was another two or three girls from the Toowoomba region where the mums would carpool or just do one day a week so it sort of broke it up mm. a little bit but um it's an yeah I even think now obviously being older and having my license just thinking 
you know, when I was living in like Toowoomba but still being in Brisbane, I think, oh, I'm just so sick of driving myself <laughs> to Brisbane only four times a week. And then I think about it, like mum used to do that all the time, but then she had to sit around and watch us train or sit around and then wait. So, um, yeah, it's... Um, there was a lot of sitting around for your mum. I hope you were never bad-mannered and grumpy with her <laughs> or just looked at your phone all the way home probably or anything asleep, like that. But, um, yeah, obviously, you know, the amount of, you know, financial, um, you know, money they've put out for, uh, you know, us kids and obviously the support they've, you know, we're pretty lucky we've sort of never missed out on exactly. missed out on anything. So, you know, I'd be forever grateful and forever owing them a lot of money. <laughs> oh, well, it's a sacrifice you make for your kids. Yeah, I'm sure your definitely. parents wouldn't have it any other way. I'm sure they're no, incredibly proud of No, obviously they're obviously proud of seeing how successful we are as kids and what we've achieved. So, um, yeah. yeah, to see how far But um, big shout out to Nan. Not that I, um, I stalk Disho's social media profile, but, you know, I have to do something to get my information. Mm. So I see that Nan turned... Did she have a big birthday? Did 18, she yes, she did. So... Mm-hmm. Um, she wanted to go on a cruise. That's all she wanted to do for her 80th and go on a cruise. And obviously, you know, COVID and everything like that, it didn't happen. So we sort of planned as a family what we were going to do for her. As, you know, she just, classic Nan, I'll just have a picnic at the park with some sandwiches. And we're like, Nana, we can do that any day for you. We can do that tomorrow. Like, let's do something cool. And um, we ended up organising to go over to Tangaluma. Um, so we thought, you know, we're going on a boat over there and, we organised like a really nice lunch and then we all um, had a weekend down in Brisbane. So I think out of the family, um, it was just, you know, she had all of her six kids there um, and then all of the grandkids. Um, I think there was just one grandkid that did, couldn't come because she just had a baby. So um, my sister come down from Mackay and so she had literally every single grandkid, um, you know, every every kid of hers there. So I think there was about 30 of us. So we all... Um, yeah, jumped on a boat, headed over to St. Gloomer and had a nice lunch and, um, yeah, then went back and just took her out for dinner that night and then, you know, she loves, you know, playing the pokey sometimes. So, um, yeah, they then come back to Toowoomba and we went to the golf club and took her out for lunch the next day and... That, I, I reckon I don't know I don't I don't know Nan but I reckon if I was Nan I'd be pretty happy with that it sounds fantastic yeah she she loved it yeah as I said she just said it was so special to have all of her kids there and all the grandkids there so um you know a lot of people don't get to see that milestone in their life so to be able to celebrate that with her was yeah something sure. tears me up <laughs> yeah and me too I feel teary thinking about it. I feel teary thinking about Nan sitting there watching your career on the telly mm. does she yeah she loves supporter? it we, yeah we yeah. get the paper and we say oh Nan I'm in the paper today and she'll be getting the car and she'll drive down to the news agency and she'll buy the paper and she'll cut it out and put it on her fridge oh. and she'll always be messaging saying hey can you send me some photos or that's just great love. and She needs to be showing off to her she pokey mates. Yeah, or sometimes she literally says, she goes, oh, I've seen you on the news tonight because, like, she watches the news every night still, whereas I'm never home to watch the news. So um, she'll end up messaging me and say, hey, Sinead, you seen you on the news tonight? And I'm like, did you? What was I even on there for? She's like, oh, for this. I'm like, oh, that's cool, Nan. She's like, you didn't see it? I'm like, no. But, yeah, she never misses anything. She'll, <laughs> she sees everything. And I, love, I love your Nan. Now, I'm running out of time and I'm going to have to um, wrap this up soon. But as listeners would know, I like to finish off with a few um, kooky, not kooky questions at the end. And um, so, Sinead, you're a young person. I don't think I've ever been able to ask this question of anyone else I've had on Big Little Small Talk because it might be a bit embarrassing, but it's okay for you as a young person. What's the worst pickup line you've ever heard? I've definitely had a few, (laughs) that's for sure. Um, I know, probably one that I've had, I don't have it on my phone, I remember, one that I had was like, do you have a Band-Aid? You've probably heard this one. 
yeah, I'd scrape my knee falling for you and I was just like, oh, okay. Oh, but I thought that's see. a pretty, you got it? Yeah. But I, I was just like, oh, yeah, right. But no, I've had a few. <laughs> Did it work but... for that person? No. No, but it didn't work. So out there, if you're ever going to use a, do you have a Band-Aid I've fallen for you? Don't use it. It's not worked on Don't Sinead. use it, not working. Okay. <laughs> what about if I asked you if you could store one type of food in your pocket, what would you carry? Oh, I don't know. I like my food, but you'd eat a lot of food as an athlete. Wouldn't oh, you? I do. That's probably the one thing I do struggle with. Though, I was trying to put on weight because it's just you know, obviously in preseason stuff, you're running so much, so it's you know to maintain that weight's pretty hard. Mm, wouldn't we all love to have that problem? <laughs> I'm not the biggest of eaters. Like I like to snack, but a uh, big meal's not great. But oh, uh, I just I love the least to be honest. I know that's not gonna be very nutritious or get, get me through, but if I could always have a lolly in a pocket, that would probably be it. A lolly, oh, how lovely. Not chocolate, did, just um, lollies. Just I just lollies. Fruit. Do you like, you know, your um, pineapples or your... Um, oh, oh, literally any lolly. I'm a bit of a, like, anything sour, like sour worms, sour warheads, mm. anything mm. not I did ask this question um, in the very early days of Big Little Small Talk, and it was a lady uh, who had was learning to fly out at the Clifton... Um, school of flying out there and she was a lovely lady and she said most unusually fruitcake because (laughs) it's got all of the um you know all of the not the five food groups yeah but um, it's just you know it's very heavy and it'll it'll keep you going so i thought that was i don't think lollies are going to keep me going very far (laughs) (laughs) they'll keep they'll keep your sugar levels up anyway yeah for sure all right what about um what's your favorite celebrity scandal um this sounds really bad like but i don't really like follow any well, you're too busy I know space. that's the thing like, yeah. and it was like oh I don't really like I don't have time to you know what I mean watch TV or look at read articles Magazine, and stuff like that I'm always just yeah. busy but, but I thought the, the Britney Spears one oh, um, now was that when she shaved her head no or? the um, it's like the conservatorship like how oh, she's been oh when she got out of that with her yeah, father like, yeah I think that's just like it's probably like been quite recent but I just found that was like pretty interesting yeah but well I suppose I you really... guys um, you know you might be creating the scandals in the rugby league world you could be <laughs> Be rather than um, rather than watching them. All right, well, I'll let you off that scandal. So I always ask um, someone this song because often Paddy Menz, who um, is this segment is played in his radio show, um, Community Talks, and he will often play the song that you tell me. So what's a song that can't keep you off the dance floor? Um, this one's tough. I'm always like, there's so many songs that come on, you're like, oh, I want to dance to it. But then when you ask me or you think about it, it's like, can't think of one song. You can't think of one song. But I think maybe like Whitney Houston dance with somebody. Oh yeah, that's surely a good that gets one. you yeah, done. Yeah, a good belter. That's right. Surely. Yeah. Dance but, yeah, but then I'm thinking of like songs that are like sort of like now. I'm like, mm, I don't know if you guys would know them, but that's oh, an all time. That's all time. You can't be. Um, you can't be ageist, Shanae. We know at Forty DB we have a wide scope. That's an all time one. I reckon. All right, and um, my very last question, because I'm a secret royal watcher and that all sort of fits into the favourite celebrity scandal, who is your favourite royal? I'm going to say, so boring. Don't have one. Don't have no, one? No, don't have one. Do you know any of the royals? Yes, but like mum sort of, she follows them, but I literally... Not interested? Not really. Like, I'm not saying not interested, yeah. I just don't really have an opinion. <laughs> I just sort of, if it's on the TV, I'm like, oh, yeah. What about Australian royalty? Are we talking... Hmm. Yeah, I'm just all sport. Just all sport. sport, sport okay, sport. well, what about... Who, who's your favourite royal? 
Oh, well, now she's turning the, te- the books on me. Well, I think if I had to say sort of at today, tomorrow I might have someone different. <laughs> you, know who, uh, yes. you know who Princess Margaret is? So she was the um, Queen's sister and she was kind of like this naughty sister who smoked and drank and sort of because she lived in the yes lived in the shadow of the queen and she got married to um i think it's what's his name mount batten so and unfortunately she died quite early because she used to spend her whole time sunbaking and partying (laughs) um so i'd say princess margaret she had a good life she had a good life well that sounds like she's my favorite too <laughs> you're a, you're a um, a bandwagon type person, bandwagon. yeah, yeah. Princess Margaret, bit that's of it. sass, bit of yeah, a bit of get up and go. Yeah, well, that typifies you, I would say. It's always like yeah. I don't know, look at like when you coach your kids or something. It's always like that one kid that's just a little bit naughty, but like a little bit of sass, but then just got a bit of character about them as the one that's the most entertaining. I'd say. I'm I'm with you, and <laughs> with you that, connect with. <laughs> we'll finish up our interview, Sinead. It's been a pleasure having you on my big little small talk segment, and thank you for making the time for That's me. That's right, no worries. Thank you very much for having me. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me on Big Little Small Talk. I hope you can make the time to join me next week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favourite podcast app.